Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store. Like now, go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. Brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hi and welcome to the latest installment of Bike Radar Meets. I'm Warren Roster, I'm the Senior Technical Editor for All Things Road here at Bike Radar, and today I'm meeting with two of SRAM's talented tech team behind wireless shifting on the dawn of the launch of the most affordable version of ETAP, Axis, yet. So with no further ado, let's get into things with JP McCarthy and Paul Cantor. Hi guys, if you'd be so kind to give our listeners a quick introduction to your good selves, and then we can get on to the, uh, the meeting stuff. All right, I'm, I'm JP McCarthy, uh, calling in from Chicago. Um, I'm a longtime uh, SRAM employee and uh, currently a product manager in the road category. Awesome. Thanks, JP. Uh, I'm Paul Cantor. I'm based out in Colorado. I'm the director of road at SRAM. I uh, get to work with Brad, JP, uh, Dan, and a broader team of uh, awesome SRAMies that help put uh, everything together. Right. Thanks, guys. So I guess we should take things right back to basics, just in case anyone listening isn't aware of what we're talking about when it comes to ETAP and Axis. So maybe, JP, if you could give us a quick overview of what the system is and, and in your opinion, what the advantages it brings. Yeah. Um, uh, Rival Axis is a new, uh, is a new offer that uh, delivers virtually the same ride experience as our more expensive uh, Red and Force um, access group sets. So super wide capable gearing, um, in a number of options, a, uh, it's, of course it's wireless shifting. So, um, with ETAP, 
uh, ETAP shift logic. So a simple, easy way to shift. Um, it's got a uh, power meter option, which is something new. And if you have an integrated power meter in bikes or groups of this of this price range, um, and you know this being an Axis group set, it's Bluetooth and AMP Plus enabled right out of the box, so that a rider can take advantage of all that electronics might offer. Right. So I guess um, uh, if we step step away from all the tech side of things for the moment, it um, it seems to me that you know you launched the original Red ETAP back in 2015, and then Red Axis followed. You know, just just four years later in 2019, you seem to be pushing on quicker than ever down this kind of electronic route. When did it become such a conscious decision to to go all in uh, on the road, so to speak? I, I guess that's more for Paul. Of course, yes. Um, you know, it's sort of evolved, Warren. Um, I think we, as a lot of people in the industry know, we were late to the electronic party. Maybe we're in a little bit of denial about that. And then we sort of converted to being all in. Um, I don't know that we've abandoned mechanical. What we've do see though is the the benefits of electronic serve you know this sort of middle part of the market even better than they do the pros you know because it, it just man those motors and everything all the technology that's in the system just makes it shift the same every single time with a lot less maintenance and th- those are really appealing benefits so it sort of evolved over time, and as we've been able to improve our cost structure and learn more about the system, we're able to offer it, you know, in a more competitive price point. And we're excited to be the first company to offer electronic drivetrain for road bikes at this level of bicycle, where we've really come from behind to be the the last to embrace electronic, and now we're the first to bring it to the middle of the market. So we're kind of proud of that. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things I think, you know. I, I, I think I might have mentioned it to you guys before. I mean, I've certainly, I've certainly mentioned it to some Europe guys. Is that when it comes to that kind of electronic drivetrain thing, um, obviously it's always going to be served at the high end of the market first, and it's going to go to the pros first. But but right from the inception, right from original ETAP, which I'm still running on my you know my my personal best bike, um, to me it's a group that favours almost that kind of. Um, serious cyclists but but maybe not long-term cyclists so somebody who hasn't you know got got to grips with the full mechanics of a, of a mechanical group set and making all those tweaks and making all those adjustments because if i take you you know case in point my giant tcr um with its uh, original red etap still on it i mean i've done ten thousand miles on that bike and i've never touched the gears i've never had to you know i i clean the chain i keep it you know, I keep it clean and I keep it lubed and I make sure the batteries are charged and I've never actually had to do anything more to it. And I'm more than comfortable with, you know, adjusting mechanical gearing, but I just think, my oh God, that is what you want if you're the sort of person that's a bit nervous of, you know, fettling and fiddling with your bike and trying to make an adjustment to that sort of thing. And I think, you know, we can all get completely ingrained in this because we're so ingrained in what we do that we kind of forget about those people that, Say, oh my god, my, my gears are out of whack. What do I do? And you go, well, you just turn that, turn that a quarter of a turn, you'll be fine. Exactly. And people go, what are you talking about? I don't know what you mean. And, and the electronic, you know, the the advantage of electronics is to take all of that away. So I think hitting that middle ground in the market is what I've I've always hoped that electronic would do. You know, I, I don't know what you think, JP, on on that that side of things. 
Yeah, you know, Red and Force have really energized the very top of the market. And let's face it, that is the pinnacle of the market. Those are expensive bikes. So, um, you know, the many of the riders who would benefit most from the advantages of wireless shifting and, you know, which with lower maintenance and ETAP sh uh, shift logic, which is so simple and intuitive, you know, many of the riders who might benefit most from those from those things haven't experienced it yet. So it's super gratifying to be able to, you know, offer a group that is available to that many more riders. Even even mid market, maybe a little high highfalutin. These are still relatively expensive bikes, and but those bikes today are generally equipped with mechanical shifting, which is adequate. Right, it's got decent gears, and it's got and it's got an adequate mechanical um, drive, uh, me mechanical linkage between controls and derailers. The that requires more maintenance than an electronic, than a uh, wireless electronic system. So we're super excited to, you know, that it's available to more riders now. I mean, is uh, you know another part of of Axis. Um... I, you know, I think is to me offers a, you know plenty of appeal to 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 riders out there. Is that it? Um, it kind of feels like it's now, if you know what I mean. Um, and that's that's all down to that that connectivity that you bring. You know, you bring to these systems straight out of the box. You know, you you can download SRAM's free Access app. You can immediately connect straight up with your bike. You can identify every single component. You can connect to your, your Garmin head unit and have all those metrics on display, which is which is which is great. You know, um, how how much of a decision with with Axis and now bringing it to rival was it that you you know you wanted to make this group um, kind of bring it into the digital world like pretty much everything else that that we have in our lives now? Yeah, I just think it was time. Uh, I think, like you said, it's it's now. Um, people are so comfortable with uh, charging things, um, electronic. We we think any convenient electronic device in our life is wireless, or m more and more wireless. And we had the right sort of ecosystem to I expand on that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's the right time. And then you throw in the benefits of where bicycles. And cycling is falling in the middle of this pandemic. And we're, you know, it's just all, that's just super lucky. The pandemic's horrible, of course, but where bicycles are landing and people's interest in getting onto bikes. So it's a really good convergence of timing and product. And, and yeah, I think the features and benefits that we've layered into access, the trick for JP was really deciding what to cut out of Rival so that we could hit the right price targets but what to keep in order to maintain its personality, its framness, access, you know, and its value. And and I think JP and the team have done a great job of hitting that balance there. And, um, you know, again, I, we had the opportunity to sit back and look at what our competitors were doing with electronic components and what people wanted from connectivity and then uh, offer it, um, you know, in these new packages. Mm. It's it's. It's really been a, a fun journey. I mean, I don't know where it'll go. You know, I, I, people go, well, how far down is this going to go? Right now, it's hard to tell. You know, there's cost constraints, there's capacity constraints in the channel as well. So, um, but I think this is a great spot uh, for for achieving rival at this price point. 
And I think it sets a, a sort of milestone for bikes around the rival price point going forward will need to be uh, electronic, hydraulic brakes and, and this performance. You know, to just to sort of, you know, not to labor the point, but just to, 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 to sort of extend that further, you know, that the, the Axis system is really only, as JP and, and yourself both said, that, you know, they were only really ever available on high-end bikes, you know, for, forces high-end, um, you know, and, and you move up to red and that's that's super bikes, that's, that's pro-level kind of, kind of um uh, money no matter what you know no matter which brand or whatever you're you're looking at so um jp what have you had to change to bring bring all this tech um down to mechanical groups at money well there's you know there's material differences so alum- aluminum crank uh as opposed to a carbon crank uh aluminum brake lever blades as opposed to uh c- carbon composite um as far as features are concerned, very little. You know, the controls is where that is where the biggest changes are in features that Red and Force have um, reach adjust as well as pad contact adjust. Rival lacks pad contact adjust. It still has uh, reach adjust. Uh, Red and Force have ports for one or two auxiliary shifters to be plugged into them. Rival Rival has none. Now, but both of those, you know, we we took away features, but they actually uh, result in some improvements as well. And by eliminating a couple of features, we actually made that hood a little smaller. And it'll be one of the things that people notice first about the Rival group set. Um, I mentioned materials in the crank and the brake lever blade. Uh, one other difference is the, um, you know, the like Red and Force, this derailleur has chain management. So the so the rival derailleurs are appropriate for a one by or a two by setup. Um, we affect that chain management with Red and Force via uh, a fluid damper that we call uh, the orbit damper. Um, and in this case with Rival, it's using a spring clutch or a friction damper that's really uh, same sort of same sort of device that we use in mountain bike derailers. Um, but again, you know, but, it, but you know, the derailleur delivers it it delivers the same sort of chain management. The weight is a little bit different. Uh, so that's you know, those are the things I can actually think of that anyone would actually notice. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I've been I've been using the the group for a while now, and you know, I, I have noticed that slight difference in shape on the on the on the hoods. Um, not that I ever had a problem with, you know, for, force or red axis. I mean, force axis I've been using for you know two years, two years more now on on one of my own bikes, uh, and you know, I'm a big fan of it. But just having that smaller, you know, well, less volume, as it were, I think it it probably probably appeal to a more you know uh, a, a greater you know, size of people or, or whatever you know um it's it seems much more female friendly much more junior friendly because you've still got the reach adjust there you know contact point adjustment is a great thing to have but i think on i mean in fact i've got two two four axis bikes it sounds like i'm showing off now but um but the contact but the contact point adjustment on on those i think i did it once when i got it and I, again i've never looked at it and never never needed to look at it since you know i just kind of got it well that feels right but the the kind of rival out the box feels fine you know it feels great so um but you know you talked about the, these material changes and these differences so um say we 
take it in, in direct comparison to, to force, you know, what are we talking at, uh, you know, for the weight weenies out there in, in grams? What's the, uh, the difference? I don't get real weenie on weights myself because I really like riding bike, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's on the order of 150 to 200 grams between the difference between a, a force complete group and a rival axis complete group. And that is so that's it's more like a depends on the specification. 150 on the one by you know, one by is more like 150 grams, and two by is more like 200 grams delta. So, putting that in context, that's like a a half full large water bowl. I never weigh water bottles, I just, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I carry as much water as I think I'll need, I never put it on the scale. <laughs> It's kind of it's kind of like an extra large Gore-Tex shake dry jacket. Some new kit. <laughs> um, okay, and then um, I think the other thing that I think we probably need to to go into is is the um, um, where we're talking about axis. Axis now seems to me to have become a, you know almost like a family. So. Um, it's massively interchangeable. So if you if you do end up with a buying a rival axis bike uh, down the line, the parts are interchangeable with force. They're interchangeable with red, you know. And if you've gone down the the one by route and you want a little bit more extreme, you can you can mix with eagle access parts and create a true mullet drivetrain. I mean, was that always a thing that you're creating this um, almost a, an axis ecosystem rather than a big group, as it were, you know? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the most fun things about bikes, particularly drop bar bikes right now, is the emergence of more capable road bikes. And of course, you know, what is more ubiquitously called the gravel bike, whatever that might mean to various parts of the world. But um, that's really opened up a world of opportunity and where people are, you know, needing some cross compatibility across uh, components and putting like Eagle on the back of the bike is a natural progression uh the access ecosystems allows us to easily pair all those parts together and and really lower the friction of making that work and i just last week you know this is obviously a shameless plug for our, our team members over on the mountainside but they just rolled out gx access so a lower price point um of, of the mountain bike group and you can pair that with a rival group and and build a lower price point of mullet bike or, or, you know, super capable gravel bike in a one bike configuration. So that was always the goal. And the nice thing about the app and the, the way the system's built is we can sort of uh, block out certain things that would cause you to have a bad or poor performing experience and just allow the system to do the things that bring the most value to the bike in terms of, connecting components and building different things out and we'll continue to expand that over time and it keeps us flexible as people want to do different things with their bikes I, you know i think I, that just that um, knowing you've got an upgrade path that, that you know should you should you want to so you, you know should you want to uh, and i i know jp you you're not the the weight weenie amongst us or anything but there are plenty of people out there that are that would want to go oh i'd love to get a carbon crank on there and drop a few grams or you know, it, that's all open to you that's that's kind of cool um i think um the the only kind of other thing that, that I think when we're talking rival, um, I think needs a little bit of explanation. It's a, probably a bit on the 
techie side, so I think this is aimed at you, JP, is um, you've, you've introduced this range of, of wide options. So it would be good if you could just, uh, you know, explain to the listeners, uh, you know, in kind of uh, as simpler terms as you can, what what those, um, why you chose, to, why you saw the need for, for the wide option and and what actually that brings to it. Well, for our lowest two-by gearing and all of our one-by rival axis gearing, we've, we're using a wider spacing on the crank. And the reason is it's driven by bicycle specifications, which are allowing for to accommodate wider tires. So frames are, are in, in some cases are getting um, wider chain stays to accept wider tires. And um, so we're spacing out the crank and in the two by case, the front derailleur a little bit further outboard simply to allow for, for wider tires. So, um, so, the, so the rival group uses that wide spacing, as I said, with uh, the lowest two by uh, gearing our 4330 uh, crank set and with, and all of the one by cranks are spaced out uh, adding a total of five millimeters clearance. Right. And for that, you need okay, special crank, special front mech if it's two by. Um, and then, it, and that's all written off your dub bottom bracket platform. Yeah. Correct. The, uh, the, um, so the wider, the wide, uh, two by crank set requires a wide front derailleur. And, um, this, uh, the, you know, to get, uh, a little technical on the on that and how we executed it, we we put it all into the spindle, so that a you know road bikes typically are built upon a nominal sixty eight millimeter shell, uh, bottom bracket shell, and in this case it's built on a nominal seventy three millimeter shell, so that crank will fit any any typical road frame. Or some of the newer frames are actually coming, you know, with a mountain bike spaced bottom bracket shell in order to get the stays out further for maximum tire clearance and short chain stays. Uh, so we really just created that opportunity to make a bottom um, to to install this on a nominal 73 shell. Really, for some of the smaller frame builders. Those who are, um, you know, are really mobile in the market with with with, with they can they can use, try different specifications. We're finding some uh, some some bicycle brands, some OEM bicycle brands are actually going in that direction as well. It allows this uh, this this drivetrain to fit onto some of the um, city and urban type bikes that are generally built on a mountain built for a mountain bike crank. This crank will fit on there. I guess just to dial it back a little bit, um, all of these access systems are 12 speed. And when we're talking 12 speed, it, um, for you guys moving to 12, it wasn't just a case of, of adding another sprocket. Um, you kind of changed the game on, on, on gearing, as it were. You know, we, we were talking, you know, were talking then about cranks and talking about a, you know, 4630 or, you know, uh, which seemed alien to people when we're used to compact or, or you know, pro compact, or or even you know, good old fifty three thirty nine. If anybody ever um, thinks about those again, um, so if you just give us a, a quick uh, rundown on on 
how you kind of um, realigned gearing, as it were. Sure. When, you know, when when we um, when we developed Axis, you know, it's an entirely new electronic um, electronic part of the package. We really we had the good fortune of being able to redevelop the mechanical side as well. So um, we've equipped uh, or we've equipped the, this these groups, Red Force and Rival, with X range gearing, which has a, in all cases has a wider range of gearing. With twelve with twelve speeds, it's got better spacing as well. We rely on a ten tooth clog, uh, ten tooth start. Um, to the cassette, which allows us to have a really wide range without growing the physical package of the drivetrain inordinately. So it saves on weight. Um, and um, we, we, we took some, while we always have a, a little bit wider range, we actually moved some of the range from the crankset to the cassette. So all of these groups rely on super wide range cassettes. With, with Rival, it's a 1030 cassette or 300% range, or a 1036 cassette with 360% range. Um, the Having all that range at the cassette really does make a, I think, a more pleasant experience because you have fewer front shifts and a more efficient ride. The fewer, the less you need to shift in the front, the more efficient your ride is overall. So uh, we really like having a narrower, a narrower, uh, narrower um, difference between the chain rings. Um, typically, that's 16 or 17 teeth. Um, with our X-range gearing, it's always 13 teeth. So, but we don't. But we took that that range and put that at a cassette, so the rider can stay on the same chain ring for longer. Makes it makes it a, makes it a simpler, more pleasant ride. And I guess that also feeds back into um, the the electronic side of of Axis because obviously through the app you've got your your different modes that you can use. So you've got compensation mode, which when you're shifting on the front, it's automatically shifting at the back for you to get you in the next best gear. And then there's the the, the kind of full auto mode where you only have to worry about shifting at the back and it changes the front for you. You know, kind of kind of some some cool stuff going on there. Well, you're touching on that. You know, another benefit of having a smaller chain ring a gap between the chain rings is that it when when shifting at the front the rider can get to um get back to their optimum cadence more quickly because the the jump isn't so big so they we're we're typically you'd have you know three or four um cog shifts or rear, rear shifts to get back to the right to the right cadence it's generally one cog less with with x range gearing and you know, hey, but that's that's that lends itself to electronics, particularly well because of the comp- compensating and um, um, the compensating and sequential gearing arrangements that we have via the app. But for fully manual shifting, it's the same thing, and even more important, right? You, it's easier to get to the right cadence. Yeah, and I think um, you know when you're talking about the cassettes like the gear progression is you know that's that's one of the things i've really enjoyed about it you know um i'm a, I'm a big fan that that cassettes have got much much broader you know i was um uh, a few weeks ago i i was doing a uh, a feature on you know um all the all the bikes in my my garage and i was looking at um one of my old stalks that that i used to ride religiously all the time and you know that had pretty much a 
you know, 10 speed straight through, straight through block on it. Um, but the gear was so incredibly tall. I can't imagine they ever rode it. You know, I'm a big fan of, you know, going 11 speed, the 1130 or 1132, but, but the, say, take the new rival with the, the 1030 cassette on the back, you know, you've got the first six gears, there's one tooth jumps, you know, and, and in the kind of modern era when we've all accepted that having a broader gear range is a nice thing, a good thing, um, that to me, it takes me back to that kind of old school feeling where, you know, you're getting this immediacy and progression in the gearing. Was that a real conscientious thought when you were working on ratios? Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, we, we really, you know, we, we, we did the, the arithmetic behind this is way over my head of optimizing the gear jumps based on, you know, empirical data of what sort of power riders are putting out in different gears. And so, and finding where the, where the, where the gear ratio jumps are comfortable. Right. And simply put, higher cadence, higher speeds. You really like having the, the, the of course, the, the one tooth jumps and at lower at, at lower at lower gears. Often you're at a lower cadence and wider and wider, wider gear ratio jumps feel OK. Um, and where exactly to put that did take quite a lot of study. Uh, and again, um, that's a bit over my head where they. <laughs> applying our empirical data of power output and how how the ch- gear ratio changes feel. So, but adding a adding the twelfth cog, we're really able to keep the one tooth jumps where we need them, as well as having a super wide range with comfortable jumps on the low end. I guess we need to just put put this all in context um, because we've we've talked about the the kind of uh, the price point and the way we've aimed rival, you know, and and I'll apologise to our um, overseas listeners, but um, we're talking thirteen hundred and fifteen pounds for the two by group set with everything you need, um, or eleven hundred and change um, for the one by version, and then you've got a power meter equipped two by version at just over fifteen hundred pounds, and in one by that's just over thirteen hundred. Um, uh, that's pretty remarkable. So if we talk about the, the the power meter, which you've brought to a price point, I don't think we've we've ever ever seen before. So, um, and uh, this new power meter, it's an axle-based system um, with single-sided measurement. Um, how, I, you know, I think um, uh, a lot of people who it's their first entry, you know, entry into to using power. Um, I think that's absolutely fine, but then, but then the, the people out there are more used to power. Um, you know, we're talking, you know, quite the zero dual-sided measurement, and you know, all those metrics that that brings. How how close is the mathematical estimations that that the, the single-sided systems making uh, when you compare it to like your premium quark offerings? Well, in the the accuracy of the single-sided measurement is on par with our spider accuracy of the power it's actually measuring so you'll get a the key is that the that the user will have a consistent um a a consistent feed of what they're and understanding where their power sits because it's accurate however um the you know it is measuring only one side so that really depends on the user on the rider, and um, we are hitting a different 
you know, a different price point. This is a different product from our from our spider-based um, power power meters that measure right and left. This is measuring left only, so you get a consistent um, a co consistent feedback on your power output. But it may not be accurate over overall because one leg is much is is much stronger than another, and with with a single-sided measurement, we don't really have a way of, of telling that. So um, we, you know, one-sided one -sided power measurement is not new. There's there's plenty of other products out there, and it, and they hit a certain price point. And there, it's an it's an awesome um, bit of information about your ride, and something that many riders are getting used to having it, you know, with indoor, indoor training systems that provide some power feedback. And then you go to your, your, your bike, which doesn't have that feedback. We want to make sure that, 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 uh, that the power measurement is available to more riders and, um, and easy to get, you know, you, I, I'm sorry, you were throwing at, you were using pounds with uh, group set prices. If someone has a, um, a rival equipped bicycle from, from a bike brand that didn't come with the integrated power included, the power, the power meter upgrade path is very simple. It's a non-drive side arm with the spindle attached and it's 150 bucks. I mean, that, yeah, I mean, the power, power at that price is, is insane. And, you know, from what I've seen, I mean, I, I haven't seen it in the flesh yet. Um, cause I understand they're very, very thin on the ground, but, um, um, it seems to me to to be incredibly user friendly. I mean, the f the fitting looks relatively simple. You know, pretty much any anybody half competent with a set of hex keys um, could manage it. And then the the actual running of it, you know, there's there's no uh, there's no sending it away to have the battery replaced or anything. It, this thing runs off a AAA. You know, um, it, it to me it just you know it, it, it that kind of it's a yes, it has to be a lithium battery, yeah. But it, it to me it even just seems it's like um it's it's like the gateway drug into power measurement it, it almost seems it's uh um you know was that was that you know always the way to to, to kind of bring more people to the to the quark family as it were well yeah integrated power is it's table table stakes for um, a modern bicycle now or it will be in a couple of years I mean we really right. want to offer that. Um, yeah, we're, it's always been the plan to make power more accessible. Um, Warren, I'm pretty sure I misspoke, and I'll rely on Danny to correct me here. I think I said 150 bucks a minute ago. I need to say that again. It's 250 dollars. No worries. <laughs> Either way, that's a it's still a remarkable price for uh, you know for, for power measurement, as it were. Um, you know, I guess um, I, I should start rounding things up because we've been talking nerding out on this uh, new rival for quite a while now um i would say you know uh, the remarkable thing with new rival is that it shares the same motors the same electronics the same wireless antennas uh, as those premium groups um do you think uh, and this might be one for you actually paul um do you think being able to bring this tech down to this price could spell the end for mechanical group sets long term which i guess is my way of sneakily asking are you guys working on a mechanical group updates as it's been a while since red 22 you know that was 2013 i think wasn't it are you working on red 24 
Uh, wow, there's a, there's a whole bunch in there. Um, does this spell <laughs> the end for mechanical? That's uh, we we see that in the comment section of a lot of websites. Um, it's obviously a topic. Uh, no, I don't think anytime soon. I think um, there's a, a strong group of people who still have a a preference for uh, for mechanical, but I think that's an ever, ever growing, ever small. And then there's um, just price consideration. So those two. I think you'll see mechanical around um, for a while longer, but I don't think you see uh, you see from this price point up uh, people investing in new mechanical group sets. I think the future is electronic and hydraulic, and then uh, we'll continue to refine that and improve on it. Um, and I think our our main competitors, you know, the writings on the wall there as well, they seem to be going in the same direction and. Uh, the, the experience is just better and we want to give that better experience to more people. So it's not that we're anti-mechanical, we're pro a better experience and we're pro making fewer decisions when you're riding a bike. Mm -hmm. And we think, we think everything we're able to put into an access group set allows you to have a better experience. That's it. That's it. A, a good answer to trying to trying to give you a leading question, but um, <laughs> <laughs> so I you know I guess just just to finish off, it's a you know it's the first time I've I've been able to chat to you guys in 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 over a year, I guess. Um, uh, I guess I should give you feedback and, and a few you know my thoughts on on the group. I've put a few hundred miles into into um, rival axis now. Um, I just uh, it feels to me when you're talking about the mechanics and the speed. And the shifting, say compared to force axis, which I've got you know a couple of years use on, um, to me it feels absolutely the same, uh, which is pretty remarkable in itself. I, I really can't tell a difference, and and the few people in my kind of inner circle that that, that I've been lucky enough to to show them the bike, um, all actually to a man have tended to agree. I think it looks a bit better than force. You know, like the, the the new chain set, the, the kind of the industrial design that's been put together on that new chain set, it's stunning. You know, it, it looks so um integrated and so you know slickly designed. Um, you know, I was wondering about you know the switch the switch away from the you know the clever um fluid damper, the you know, the orbit system in the rear mech might have made it a little bit um a bit a little bit noisier, a bit, you know, uh, might have affected chain management somewhat and again i've found it really difficult to, to tell any difference whatsoever um uh it, it still does that great job of you get no chain chatter you know your your chain stays are going to be free of chips um and it you know i, I overall I've, I've come away sort of um far more impressed than i intended to be so um was that always a a, a goal with the group was was the performance measures that you were hoping to hit yeah, the, and the cost-saving measures were all about materials. And, um, well, in, in the features we mentioned. So it was bound to really deliver the same ride experience. You know, that it really, I, the only other difference is that I didn't mention earlier, you know, some sometimes we use stamping here with a, with, with with chain rings in this case, and rather than machined finishes, and uh, sometimes stamping actually can feel better <laughs> than a, 
um, it, it just it, it makes a smoother profile. So it, it, it's yeah. stamping, it's, machining doesn't necessarily give a better drivetrain feel. Um, one of the things that we've been working on for both Force and, and Rival is the cassette finish and dampers for, you mentioned dry running noise. Both, both groups are, are benefiting from some changes there that'll make the, make the drivetrain run silent. Um, so that may be part of the, the you know, head-to-head -head experience on a, on a, on a uh, you know, year-and-a-half-old um, force group and a newly delivered rival group. Mm -hmm. That may account for some of the, you know, if rival actually even feels better, that may be part of it. Right. Yeah, I, I'd say certainly the test engineers would, would be able to point you to, you know, where there's performance differences. We're not going to point you to those differences, but you know the goal was to to have a product that performed every bit as you know the the group sets above it. Um, bikes are really expensive, and if people if people are still spending a lot of money for this, and we want them to have a great experience, and if we want to if, if we want to promote this this new experience, we have to hold up our end of the bargain, um, which is delivering a you know a well performing product in all aspects. So, certainly was a big part of how do we preserve as much of that experience as possible. Yeah, and as Paul would say, I haven't used all the words yet, so um, so I want to go back <laughs> a little bit to the inspiration of, for this, you know, which is really just riding riding bikes in that in that in this in this price category, mid-range, let's call it. The frame is virtually the same as the premier frame. The wheel set is awesome. The cockpit is well designed. These bikes in the, in that you know in that three to four thousand dollar or three to five thousand dollar range, those things are the, the you know most of the bike is very close to the premier bike. The biggest standout and difference isn't shifting at this point, mechanical versus electronic, and that you know these people are these riders are spending a lot of money. And uh, getting, and they're getting their the the brand is delivering them something that is really close to their premier bike in the frame, wheel set, tire choice, bar tape, saddle choice, uh, and the the biggest delta is is in is in the drivetrain itself. So we're we're we want to elevate these these that mid range to deliver what uh, what really is an expensive bike that is that much closer to what you know to, to what the pinnacle of the market can 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 provide yeah i can I, uh, yeah i can certainly uh agree with you there as i think i mentioned before we started recording um the bike that i've been testing in um the rival axis on uh in in my write-up on it i've described it as getting a ferrari for ford money and you know i i think a big part of that is down to just just how slickly the the bike performs as a whole, and a huge part of that is is rival access. Yeah, right. I think I should thank you guys for your time. I've I've kept you I've kept you here for a, uh, a long long old chat. Um, but it's been it's been fascinating. So thanks very much for that. Uh, just quickly like to say to the listeners, um, hope hope you've enjoyed this this dive into rival access. Um, don't forget to like subscribe, and um, you'll hear from Bike Radio again soon. So, goodbye. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, JP. Thank Thanks, you. Warren. Thanks for your time. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bye.